I learned a number of years ago that uh, a pastor should really be careful about what he says because every once in a while somebody's actually listening. And uh, such is the case for us this week. I, Well, I'll even push it back further than that. Um, a number of years ago, probably three or four, I don't really remember exactly how far back, but uh, I started closing off some of those media, social media stuff that I push out from time to time uh, that are intended to kind of trigger thinking or to forecast a little bit about what we were going to be doing in the, the next coming Sunday's messages, uh, just as a way of saying, hey, let's think together on this and push it. And I would often close those off with a hashtag life change ahead. And I did that because I believe that God is on the move and God is in the business of changing lives. And you may feel like your life is great and grand and everything's cool, uh, but God still has even better for you. And um, so Life Change Ahead is kind of one of those things that I just started pushing out as a way of reminding us not to get stagnant. So this week, again, pastor needs to be careful what he says. Every once in a while, somebody's listening. And so this week, because of uh, some of the other stuff and the events of the week, one of our church members sent me a text, uh, a group text, me and Teresa, and uh, she sent it to us, and she made comment about the life change ahead part of the way I've communicated. And um, so there is definitively a life change ahead for all of us. If you're visiting with us, I want to say, first of all, welcome. But I also want to say, secondly, this is not going to be your typical sermon. And uh, for those who are listening online, uh, this is not going to be the typical kind of a sermon because we have a bit of a reality we deal with as a church today. On Tuesday of this week, I had the office ladies mail out the letter of resignation that I wrote on Monday. This follows a process, and I will kind of spend a little bit of time this morning trying to make sure that we're all on the same page about what's going on and what's not going on with this. And I'm not going to give you all of the details. I've done that, I don't know, 11 different times now. And uh, so I'll give you enough to let you know what I think is most important for you today, but I'll just issue this blanket invitation. If you want any more detail than what I'm giving you today, Teresa or I, or the two of us together, will be happy to share with you whatever uh, we can to help you understand. But I don't want to just look backwards today to what that is all about. I also want us to kind of look forward a little bit. As a matter of fact, uh, I started the series that we're in on Sunday mornings in the book of Deuteronomy. I called it Onward because I felt at the time that we started this, uh, this is the sixth message in that or the sixth installment of that. And so it goes back seven weeks. And at the time that I started that, it was beginning to look very real. Uh, with the First Baptist Church of El Paso, which is where I'll be next week in view of a call to be their senior pastor. And uh, so as we started into that and the possibilities of that, even though it was far from a done deal, I thought it was a good time for us as a church to uh, follow the lead that Moses gives us in the book of Deuteronomy. And that occasional stop of everything and look backwards at what God has done as we put our sights forward and onward on what God is doing and will do. And so part of what I want to do this morning is make sure that we don't get stuck in the moment, 
anytime a pastor resigns, and today is actually my first day in my seventh year with you. And um, so in six years' time, I've had plenty of opportunity to give lots of people calls to celebrate that I may be leaving. Uh, but also, if we've done our job well, then there's also cause for some not to celebrate and to be sad about it. And so what I want to do is kind of pull it all together for you a little bit this morning. And just in a brief kind of a statement, I want to let you know that neither Teresa nor I went looking for the opportunity to go to another church. When I came here, um, I told you, and I've told you many times since I came here, that I came to die. Now, I didn't want to die early, although that's fine. Paul said, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. So I'm, I'm good with that, good company with that. But uh, I didn't, didn't come here to die soon. I just came here to invest our life as a family with you. And we came with the intent of being here until God called us home. And a home being heaven. But I also added, every time I said that to you, unless God calls us somewhere else. And so we have come with the intent of being here and living and dying here and investing our lives in you and joining with you at the heart level. And because of that, it's difficult for us to, to be leaving. If a pastor does his job right, it ought to hurt when he leaves. Um, and it does hurt. Part of our heart stays here forever. As I said in the letter that I sent, and if you didn't get one, I apologize for that. We sent it to those who are on record as members uh, in the formal sense of our church, and that's the mailing list we used. Um, but I knew I would have today to give a little bit more detail than I could give in a letter. And so the, the, the primary detail I want to get across to you is we did not go looking for this. Started in January, the first week of January, uh, when I received an email from one of my college professors. That's really an understatement. Dr. Gary Manning is one of the big men on the landscape of my life. He was one of my primary professors at Wayland Baptist University. Uh, just a point of reference, I graduated from there 31 years ago, and Dr. Manning is still one of those people in my life. His daughter is a member of First Baptist Church of El Paso, and so he knows the church. He knows me. I had him in my church in the in the valley when we were there, and um, he he asked if he could send my resume. Two people from Truett Seminary, one of whom is another one of those men in my life that is a, a huge figure in in my life as a pastor and as a man, uh, Dr. Ron Cook also submitted my name to that church, and then somehow they also got my name from somebody else, and so three different points of contact the church had, uh, and I didn't go looking for it, and I didn't have a resume together, and I don't float resumes out there. This is a God thing in our life, and you need to know that. It's not, we're, not, we're not being asked to leave, well, as far as I know. I, I guess if they were going to ask me to leave, they don't need to now, but uh, I don't really believe that's the case. Um, it's not a need to leave. It's not we're disgruntled and we're going to run. That is not what this is about in any way. This is our response to what we know to be 
God's voice in our life. And I could walk through, and if you want at some point, I'll walk through a lot of those details with you to just kind of lay it out how step after step God never told us until the very end, just a few weeks ago, until, let me say that a different way. Until just a few weeks ago, we never got the word from God that said, okay, pack your bags, you're moving to El Paso. Every step of the way, it's been this message from God to us, take this step. I didn't initiate any of them. I tried to run from all of them. But every time God said, take this step and trust me with what happens from there. It is not easy for us, and I know that these kind of events in the life of the church have a way of disrupting everything. We leave our friends here. We, you are our family here. You have embraced us and pulled us into your family. You've embraced our kids and our grandkids. Um, there are trees here. We bought our first house here. My parents live in Huntsville, and their care need is higher today than it ever has been, and that will only get worse. And every step of the way, we've had reasons not to do this, but we know that God has said, take this step. So with that in mind, let me give you a couple of things. This is not my final sermon with you, unless... Unless you tell me to leave. As a matter of fact, next week I will be in El Paso preaching in view of a call. You know how that goes as a church and all that's involved in that. And there's a very real possibility that they could vote no. I mean, you know me. It's not hard for you to realize they could vote no. Um, But we believe that this is what God has told us to do. So we anticipate that they will vote yes. But even then, I'll come back and I'll be here for three Sundays. And uh, I'll have a few pointed things to say as we make the transition. But today I want to give you a couple of things that have grown out of the process for me that I think is helpful maybe for you as a church and you as an individual in this. I have said a number of times already this morning and countless times since I've been here that one of the fundamental skills in the Christian life is the ability to discern God's voice, to know what it is you're supposed to do. In this series that I've been preaching just a handful of weeks ago, I talked about the fact that God very clearly and very specifically gives us input and promises and directives for our day-to-day life. God cares about what happens on the daily level for you. And so with that in mind, uh, and especially since I'm up here telling you that one of the reasons... Uh, for the heartbreak that I know is out there for many people today, uh, is because I've heard God's voice, and Teresa and I together have heard God's voice in this. Uh, It might mean that some of you need a little bit of, uh, okay, so how does that happen? Let's get real practical here. So uh, let me see if I can do that. I'm going to give you two things not to do, to hear God's voice uh, and to discern God's voice, and one thing you must do, all right? And it's not that you shouldn't do these first two. It's that you just need to be careful that you don't do only these or just any one of them. Here's the first one. When you're trying to get God's word and God's specific input for your life on a situation, don't rely on your emotions. Okay, now I, I come from a family that works or has worked pretty hard through the years at avoiding any kind of an emotional 
point of reference in life. All right? <laughs> My wife says, Amen. Uh, and it's not that emotions are bad. It's just that emotions can play Yankee Doodle Dandy with your life if you just live on an emotional level. As I said, one of the hard parts for us in this, and I trust it's hard for some of you, is that we have come in and we have joined hearts with you. You've joined our heart. We've joined your heart. And as a church, we've been pushing to join each other's hearts. That, that The connected thing that's, that's all in front of us over the last six years has been let's get real on a heart level. And the problem with that is when you go to have to make a decision that causes that heart to be torn, your emotions can just run away with you. I will tell you, and I, I know that there will be some from El Paso who are going to be listening to this sermon. They, they've been listening for a long time, as it turns out. Um, but um, I, I'll say this anyway. You just need to know, Teresa and I, every step of the way, in the early phases especially, our answer was, no, we don't want to move. We, we love it here. We love you. There's trees here. It's the first place I've ever lived in all of my life where you had the plan for how you were going to move water into places where you don't want it. Because I've never lived anywhere where you had water enough to worry about. Okay, uh, Those are the... You know, the tongue-in-cheek kind of ways of saying we didn't want to move, but we love y'all. And I don't believe that the ministry that this church has in front of it is completed, and so it was easy for me to look at it and go, yes, there's plenty of work here to do. I could easily live 20 more years. I'm not sure I want to live 20 more years, but if I, I, there's plenty of work here. This is a community that desperately needs a church to be good at loving people to Jesus. And we could be that church. So we didn't want to go. And so from the first contact, when Dr. Manning sent the email and said, I would love to give them your resume, um, our, our response was emotionally, no. So don't just trust your emotions, okay? You need to give place to them, otherwise you'll be an emotional wreck if you're not careful. Uh, but don't sell the farm to your emotions. Here's the other part of it. Some of us have, have the don't rely on emotion down pat, but then our tendency is to go to the other extreme, and that is we just rely totally on our reason or logic. And so this is the part that when we come to decisions like this, we go, okay, so what's the best way for us to approach this? And now you just know, I already told you about the emotional side of things. Not that I'm not emotional. I just kind of keep it choked down a lot of the time. But this is the one that I can't choke down all that easily. And this is the logical part, the, the reasoning part. And so as this came at us and I'm thinking, okay, Lord, what do you, what do you want us to do? I started tripping through all of the uh, logical points of reference. It's not, it's not a good time in the life of our church. I mean, that all started in January, and by the end of February, we were without a music minister. And all of the structural changes that that occurred behind the scenes, whether you knew it or not, the day Brian walked out, all of a sudden, there was this, lot, uh, this, this uh, structural vacuum that had to be filled. 
And so that was way in the early stages of dealing with El Paso, and I was dealing with that, but my head was totally here, and I was working through all this stuff, and every time I would hear something from the El Paso church, uh, which was not very often in the early days, uh, it was, this is just not a good time. This is not the right time for this church. The logical reasoning part of me said there's so much ministry that still needs to be done in this church. This can't be the time. The logical reasoning part of me said my parents are such that uh, they, they need me to be here. And I could never just move off without them being here. I mean, without them being with me because they need more care these days and going forward than they ever have. Logically, reasoning through it was not the time to do anything. Plus, you have trees here. So what I'm saying so far is you can't just rely on your emotions and you can't just rely on reasoning or logic. When it comes to discerning God's voice, we also need to have a point of reference in Scripture. I'm going to come back to the scripture part in just a second. Let me, let me lay it out for you this way. I, I went through a, a, much of the same stuff when we came here because I'd been in Edinburgh for 20 out of the last 23 years, and uh, we, that was home for us and our kids. Had, I mean, it was, our kids had gone through the school system there and graduated there and a couple of them you know, married and all, all that kind of stuff. And so when we came out here, it was one of those things that God had to tell us very clearly, your time in Edinburgh is done. It's time to move to Lumberton. And so one of the things that, that I learned in that process that I pull into this process is, is something that, that is illustrated best by a guy in our church down there. He was chairman of the deacons for a while, and he came from a family of plumbers. I've talked about his brother a little bit, and every once in a while I mentioned him. But uh, Kenny Ferris is the guy I'm talking about. He's a great, great teacher of mine. A uh, friend of mine, and through the years, uh, Kenny taught me a lot of stuff about being a pastor from a deacon standpoint. And Kenny used to take us offshore fishing with him. He and his family were big outdoorsmen, especially offshore fishing. And you know, they do the kind of fishing where they go 50 or 100 miles offshore and fish for those big game fish. And, uh, and so we would go with them for some of that. And a lot of times when, when we would go out, we would have to leave their fishing camp in Port Mansfield long before daylight, uh, probably three or four o'clock in the morning, somewhere in that time frame. And so as we were going out, uh, I, I was fully aware of how dark it gets on the water without lights. And so you, from leaving Port Mansfield, you have to go across the, the Laguna Madre, and then there's South Padre Island. It is actually Padre Island stretches from Corpus to almost to Brownsville, and they made a cut right there for the port of Brownsville, and so they went in, they dredged it out every 10 or 15 years, and uh, and so you have to go through that to get out into the Gulf of Mexico, and it was so dark out there, and I'd been out there with them during the day enough to know that you could ground a boat on some of those sandbars, and so I asked Kenny, I said, how do you know uh, that you're going to be in the cut and not up on the shallows and ground your boat? Uh, and he said, well, actually, have you noticed that I keep looking backwards? I said, yeah, I have noticed that. And he said, he said, I found because I fished these waters enough that if I look backwards, he said, you see those, you see that one light and it's right directly behind us. I said, I do see that. He said, now watch what happens. And so he turned the boat as we were doing that. And that one light all of a sudden became three lights. And so Pretty quickly, he said, do you see that? I said, yeah. He said, okay, so he gets back where it's one. 
And he said, here's the lesson. He said, I learned that that light is my guide. And if I keep it lined up where it's one light and not three separate ones, then that means that I'm in the center of the channel and I'm in good shape. It was actually three different lights back on shore in the port. And they set it up so that captains coming in could know if their electronic stuff went out and all of that, they could line up on those lights and they'd be straight into where they needed to be. Now, I want you to take that picture and pull it into what I'm saying this morning. If those three lights that we need to make sure that we get God's message are not fully in line with one another, something's off and you need to wait until any action until you know that it's in line. If you just rely on your emotions, that's going to sink you. If you just rely on logic, that's going to sink you. But when you pull Scripture into that, those others come into line if God is embodying His Scripture for the moment for you as He is incredibly effective at doing, and you know that you're where you need to be. And so let me pull you back into my experience and Teresa's experience in all of this. In late May, as the last step of the process of dealing with that church, uh, they flew us out for about a 36-hour stretch out to El Paso. There's no trees out there, just so you know. And uh, that was one of the first things we saw flying in. I'd been to El Paso before. I grew up in Odessa. It's not that different for me. But um, we flew in, and then we met with the committee doing several things. And by the time it was all said and done, we had one last meeting. That was a Friday night dinner with them. We were flying out first flight the next morning. And they, we finally at that point dealt with package questions. We hadn't even talked money or anything like that until that point. I was clearly their choice. Teresa and I were still trying to figure out, Lord, are you in this? We had been told every time, take a step, take the step, take the step, and trust me. But now it was the step because the church had said, we want you. Would you come in view of a call to be our pastor? And so I told them. We are going to talk about this, and we're going to pray about this together. I'll give you an answer at tonight's meeting. This was the last part of May, last weekend of May, I guess. And um, so Teresa and I went driving around. Our emotions said, don't go. The logical side of me said, there's a lot of things that say don't go. There are some things that say do go. So the logical side of me was conflicted. And so we prayed. And at one point I pulled over. We were just just driving around in El Paso and just pulled over and we prayed a little bit. And I started driving again and, you know, my wife, she pulled her Bible out. She went to this passage of Scripture, and it became the point of reference because when she read this particular verse, the light that we needed for that last decision was clear and clearly there. As we're driving around El Paso, if you don't know El Paso, there, it is divided east and west by uh, Franklin Mountain, which is the tail end of the Rocky Mountain chain. And... Um, so we were driving around up on the, along the side of one of those out close to the Fort Bliss out there. And I came to this passage. Teresa read it.
Hang on a second. Thank you. And so, Teresa pulled out her Bible and read this verse, Deuteronomy 1, 22. No, that's not right. Is that right? Help me, Teresa. <laughs> You'd think I would have written this down. It's marked in my other Bible, 24. No. There's two of them. It's a guess. I had it marked in my other Bible. <laughs> sure meant a lot at the time. Yeah, Butch, I heard that. 21. Verse 21. Sorry about that. See how much better things could get? You may get a guy who knows how to read his Bible. Verse 21. See, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up, take possession as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has told you. Do not fear or be dismayed. It doesn't sound like much sitting in Lumberton today. But in that moment when we were seeking desperately, as we had been for five months, God, what is your will for us in this? That verse cut us both to the heart. We both knew it immediately that that was our answer. That's why we find ourselves here. And I want you to hear from that less the fact that we believe God is leading us to another place what I want you to hear from that is when it comes to you as a church going forward, don't ever sacrifice what God has for you because you refuse to hear what he had to say or you just missed what he had to say. Those three elements are all important. Okay, The, the emotional part of it is there. We are conflicted today all right? because we know that if God's calling us out there, there is a ministry there for us. And there are lives that will be changed there for us. I've been totally overwhelmed with some of the responses that I've gotten over the last couple of days after the letter went out. As some of you have written back into our lives and said, here's what God has done in my life through y'all's ministry here. And, and that it's affirming and it's also heartbreaking for us because it's hard to leave when your heart gets torn apart. But if God says do it, what choice do we have, really? I, a couple of weeks ago, I preached about the children of Israel and the spies. And God said, go in and take the land. And the spies came back and said, it's awesome. It's going to be fun. Uh, except for the giants. And the people of Israel decided not to do what God had specifically told them to do. And everybody suffered because of that for 38 years. If I knew God was telling me to go and I refused to do that, this church would suffer because of my decision. So we do have some pain attached to this. We do all together. I do, you do. But this is nothing like the pain it would be if I chose to disobey what God is telling us to do. So we do this with conflicted hearts. The appeal, one of the primary appeals, at least in the beginning for them, was that I had ministered for 20 years on the border. The, the idea of going back to the border is, is appealing to me. I, I, I didn't go looking for it. 
But it was one of the things that God showed me. He said, yeah, you can do that because uh, you have that point of reference. So discern God's voice going forward as a church. You're going to have many opportunities to do that. The enemy is, is very uh, conniving. And Satan loves these kind of times in churches' lives because the, the opportunity for division is ripe. So listen for the voice of God. If you're a leader in this church, I hope you'll hear what I just spent a little bit of time laying out for you. You have to hear what God has to say. So discern his voice. It's also important as a church that you continue to be connected. The community and the unity of this church is critical as you go forward. I said it already at one point here. The opportunity to influence lives for the cause of Christ in this community is, is off the charts. There are a lot of religious people here, but there are a lot of people, and a lot of those religious people even, who don't get life with Jesus. So if you get off target and if you get off point and off topic, then you'll underachieve what God has for this church to accomplish. So stay together. Listen for the voice of God. Don't, I'm going I'm to change terminology now, don't just tread water. Treadmill sermon a few weeks ago. Okay, Maybe now some of those things that I've preached over the last four weeks will start kind of coming together for you a little bit because I believe that the opportunity for a church to be a treadmill church is, is off the charts for that, but that's a negative thing. There's too much work that needs to be done here for the kingdom of God. And so as a church, don't settle for, well, we're just going to have to wait around for the next guy. Okay, Don't do that. Don't wait around for the next guy. Get after it. There's a lot of good stuff has happened in this church in six years. I've gone through and I've worked back through some things and, and lives have been changed to the glory of God. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. It's always about Jesus. Which kind of pushes me to the last thing and then I'm going to let you go. Uh, Amber posted this morning on Facebook about the fork, you know, and some of you were here when Brother Larry was here and his last Sunday, I think he pushed, you know, put forks in the chairs and said that you know, the best is yet to come, like dessert. After you know, even though that illustration, and so she posted a picture of the fork. That post was from my first Sunday here back in 2011. Um, and so that's not a bad way to think about it. The best is yet to come. That's not hard to believe. You know me. There's got to be better. Um, but I like to refer to that as brother next is on his way. I like what Kenny said in the announcement time today and his, his challenge to us. Uh, there's a music minister out there today. Now, he may be like I was going, Lord, I don't want to go. Okay, he might well be. That's the guy you want, by the way. You, you don't want the guy who's just looking for the next best thing. You want the guy who's going to hear God's voice, who's invested where he is. And I know I don't get a say on who's next, but just look for the right guy, okay? You need to know this. The next preacher, he's not going to be me. Okay? You, if God wanted me in him, then he'd just keep me here. Okay? It's time. God has somebody else for the next level. That's brother next. Okay? So he's not me, but he's not Jesus either. So don't hold him to the standard that says he's Jesus. You hadn't done that to me, uh, but just make sure that you don't expect him to be Jesus, but you do expect him to love Jesus. 
As a matter of fact, if you don't see Jesus in his life, he's not brother next. He's not. You need a guy who loves Jesus. Loves him enough to want other people to know him like he does. Let's pray. Musicians, don't worry about coming up. We're not going to do an invitation today. So, Father, as we come to the close of a difficult service, we do so with with full confidence that you are still God. That you are not surprised by events here. That you are intimately involved in all of the stuff that is happening with us as a church these days. And I thank you for that. I thank you for the the comfort that it brings even in the midst of uh, very uncomfortable situations. That we can fall into your grace and we can fall into your love and we can settle in and know that you always are involved with us and you always move us forward and onward in your kingdom's work if we'll just be obedient. So our prayer is that as you take us through these coming days that you would be uh, at the forefront of it all. And more than anything else, that all of us would see Jesus high and lifted up. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Now before you leave, you shall not fear them. That is those people, the battles, all of those things, you shall not fear them. For it is the Lord your God who fights for you. Remember those words as you go forward. This is not your church. This is not my church. This is God's church. And he will fight the battles that he takes you into. Hang on to that at all times. As we go forward, you just need to know there's some things that will happen. Uh, I've already been in deep conversations with uh, deacon leadership. I started off the middle of Bible school week with the deacon officers, and we had called deacons meeting last Sunday night. The deacons are aware of it. That's what helped me to go ahead and push the letter out. Uh, so that you could understand uh, what was going on, and we had plenty of time to get things in place to be ready. You should hear me say that I have great confidence in the deacon leadership that are here. Uh, They will walk you through these days, and um, I don't believe that's an accident. I believe that's one of the reasons deacons are called by God. Uh, It's not just an office somebody gets elected to. So they will help walk you through this. Um, we have some things that need to be done before I can leave. And one of those is we're going to have a chapel dedication service on July the 23rd. Now, it may be in here. (laughs) Now, it'll be over there, okay? Even if it's not done, we're going to go ahead and go with it. We think it is done, uh, at least as far as I can tell. There's no contract workers over there anymore, so uh, we believe, leadership believes that we can be in that. So 
three weeks from today, we'll have chapel dedication service, and that'll be over there. The 30th will be my last Sunday here, and that'll be it. Okay? Thank you for being here. You're dismissed.